to um, season two of A Good Story Starts With. I have the wonderful Michelle here with me. How are you? I'm very good, Wilma. How are you going? I'm good. Um, I just finished a night shift this morning, so I only had like an hour and a half nap, so I'm just kind of like, woo! Uh, You are so brave, Wilma. I wouldn't be able to do it, but I'm sure you're used to it. My husband does it as well, and he copes. Mm-hmm. So it is, yeah, it is, it is definitely something that you get used to, but then after a while you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you go back to day shift and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you go oh, back to night shift. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. My husband feels amazing <laughs> after working yeah. day shift for a season. He's like, wow, I feel human again. So he's yeah. interested, but he's older as well. So. <laughs> that's probably why but um but yeah if uh if if i were to ask you the question michelle of who are you and whose are you how would you answer that that's such a big question wilma very good big question um but i will probably say i am a christian woman and i try to live faithfully in all the callings that I've been given as a mother of four, as a wife, um, as a, you know, member of a community of faith, as a psychologist, just try to live faithfully. But, yes, never, hopefully never forget forgetting who I am in Christ. And that's a lot of callings. How, how do you juggle all of that? Ah, it's crazy, Wilma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I think throughout the years we've, we've had a very, I will say a season, but I don't know if it will be a season, probably since Noah, my eldest, was born. So he's mm-hmm. 17 and a half now. Um, and when he was one and a half, I started a PhD. And since then, I feel like I've been busy. I've been completing mm-hmm. a doctorate, having kid after kid after kid, working, doing a master's, working some more, mm-hmm. um, being involved with the church as well, um, which is mm-hmm. um, very important to me. Um, mm-hmm. And in that also being, you know, journeying with people, um, with with friends and, and people that God puts in your path. So it's been busy. It's been a busy Mm -hmm. 18 18 years. So how do I juggle it? It is just, it changes from moment Mm -hmm. to moment. I think I'm I'm just coping. (laughs) I'm just coping, I think. I'm surviving. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Because, yeah, PhD is, 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 is a tough slog and, having like kids on top of that I just applaud you because I have a couple of friends who have done PhDs and you can see it in their eyes just like when the years roll by just like the light dying and them being like why did you let me do this (laughs) why weren't you a good friend (laughs) I know it's a bit of torture and not only that Wilma but it's it's a bit, um, it's, uh, it's very lonely. Mm. Doing a PhD is very lonely because there's only 
two people that know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yourself and your supervisor because mm-hmm. it's so specific. So it's not something that you can just go to your friends and talk about, about it. You will bore them to tears. Um, and yeah. you can talk to your colleagues, but it's really involved. Um, you have to be very self-disciplined as well yeah. because, you know, it's like a massive project and, and you know, you have to, it's not like, you know, doing a bachelor or a master's where you have subjects and you have essays and you tick on the boxes and it's done and then you can have a break and then you start again. No, it's like this massive project for, you know, three, Ever. four years, five years of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. It, it, it got done and, and yeah. Um, yeah. What was your PhD that on? was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, in the area of developmental neuropsychology. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was looking at kids that were born, well, they were teenagers by then, but they were born extremely preterm or extremely low birth weight. So very, very tiny. And just looking at, um, like their cognitive function, specifically their attention. So it was very neuropsyche, um, project and it was part of a, big project um, that the Royal Women's Hospital and the Royal Children's Hospital was um, conducting. They're still conducting it. They get, um, they follow up all the babies that were born extremely preterm or extremely low birth weight in Victoria. Mm. Um, and so it was part of that, that larger project. So it was, wow. yeah, it, it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And what were your findings? If you can share, like if you're allowed to share your findings. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. There's a paper out. So um, Mm -hmm. it it basically it it found that, um, you know, like these kids, there's like a third of the kids that um, have really severe impairments. Then there's a third that has like mild impairments that usually don't get picked up until they go to school and they start struggling and, and, you know, teachers are like, why um and then there's another third that does really really well and Mm. um it seems to be that you know that when they first when they're first born how healthy their lungs were how damaged their brain was depending on whether they needed to use ventilators or not that will have an impact um later on in, in their development so Wow, yeah, that's so, so fascinating. Is, yeah. Yeah. I'll ask you later what the paper is and I'll go and, like, dig it out because I, I nerd out about these kind of things. Um, how have you, like, um, because having a PhD and having, like, the the end, like, title of a particular subject that you can have, right, that sounds like quite a very like a high intellectual environment. Um, how have you like brought that um, love of study and love of intellectual rigor to Christianity and to studying the Bible? Mm, what an interesting question, Wilma. Mm. Um. I, I don't. I don't know. I think it's it's just part of who I am. I'm always been a learner. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's probably part of the way that I was brought up and, and my country. Um, mm-hmm. like there was, and, and even my family, like there was a big push to, you know, to learning and to, um, and to achieving. And it was actually, you know, when I was younger, it, it was to the point where it, it probably wasn't healthy and probably as a, as an adult as well. I became a Christian as an adult. So, um, actually I started, I became a Christian at the same time that I started my PhD. Um, oh. which quite interestingly, I think that it was probably what helped me survive mm-hmm. the PhD was actually, um, my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm trying to get at, Wilma, is that just because he's part of who I am, I think that God has used that um, cu- curiosity. I think I'm, I'm a very curious person, which mm-hmm. is good as a psychologist. You have to be curious about the world and about people and about how people function and how it, you know, it affects them and everything else. So God has made me like that. So I'm you know interested to know more about God. I'm interested to know more about people, interested to know more, more more about his church and how, you know, how we flourish, how the church will flourish and how. Um, so I, I think God has has used that um, initial drive that I had, you know, to to learn and to achieve and, and all that mm-hmm. for his glory ultimately um, yeah. and has humbled me, mm-hmm. has humbled me as well as Wilma because, um, and I think this is very common to people that have done doctorates or people that have studied a lot. The more you read, the more you listen to different ideas, the more you realize that you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more you realize that, you know, that your, your mind is so limited and just how much you can understand. And not, not only that, but, you know, we are limited beings, like we have our, you know, we have our five senses. Uh, and, and beyond that, there is so much more that can, that, that is out there that is real, that cannot be measured mm-hmm. by science, that cannot be measured by, by, you know, by, by tools, by, you know, by the methods that, that science. And, and I think that a lot of, you know, researchers, um, you know, have come to that realization as well. I remember yeah. sitting through my brain, um, like neuropsyche studies and looking at the brain and, and just think like, how can people think that this is coincidence, something that is so mm. perfectly made? Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, just I think God has used that. Yeah, he used all yeah. of ourselves to glorify himself. If we yeah, like to yeah, what you said before of like the more you like read and and learn, the more you realize like you know nothing. Um, there was this quote of I can't remember where I I read it. Um, but if the audience remembers, please like let me know. But basically, it's something around the words of like when you first become a Christian um, and you stand on the shores of God's grace, you, you realize that God is like this massive ocean that is so deep and so vast and so amazing. And all you have to understand him is like a small thimble 
and and you have to be like your small thimble can only hold like a very very minute understanding of who he is because it's like you are a limited being like there's not because I thought is like too big but it's just that you do not have the capacity to fully understand the grandeur and the majesty and the wonder of God and that's okay um just enjoy the thimble but fully knowing that there's more yeah Absolutely, that that humility. And one thing that I'm mm-hmm. learning, because when I first became a Christian, like the, the um, like the churches that I started going to, like um, mm-hmm. more the you know Protestant evangelistic tradition, mm-hmm. um, where knowledge is is so important, and you know um, understanding the Bible, which is good, understanding the Bible, and 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 you know not. Um, you know, taking taking it seriously the study of the Bible, but something that I've learned recently is more like the contemplative practices. Mm-hmm. So, because we can we can try to understand God and read the Bible and understand it with our heads and what we have, but the contemplative practices are more about here I am and you know you Lord come in and transform me, come in and show me, come in and do what you need to do in me that I cannot do on my own and give me the understanding, if you want to, that I need to for you to transform me into the likeness of Christ. I think that is is impossible to truly be transformed in even in our minds to become more to the likeness of Christ Mm -hmm. if we don't surrender to God and, and his yeah. work in us yeah. rather than try to us understand it and rationalize everything. So that yeah. that's something like in my Christian journey that really early on I think God humbled me and he, he you know, he showed me, you know, that it depends on him and what he gives me and his grace and his mercy and him showing me. It's not all, all I don't need to understand everything. His yeah. ways are so much higher than ours and his mm-hmm. understanding. So um, like the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, Yeah, totally. To now, I, I enjoy like um, the contemplative tradition as well of Christianity. Um, I think it's there's just really something stunning about um, the integration that the contemplative saints had of like not only had knowledge of like the wonder of the Bible, but like experiential knowledge of the love of God and that the combo of that led to like transformed lives that other people saw and were like, man, like there's something different about you. There's something that um th- that's in the way that you talk and the way that you speak, you, you have a scent of heaven. How does that work? And mm-hmm. I found that really, really beautiful. So yeah. How, how did you find yourself on the path of contemplative um, tradition? Because not it's not something that's quite common in mm. in our day and age now. Like mm. we are very pro like rigorous Bible um, mm. knowledge and orthodoxy and doctrine and uh, dogma, but mm. I think we've kind of lost that ability to be awed and by the miracles of God. Yes, and and it, it is it is a Christian practice that 
was mm-hmm. very predominant early on and then at, at one point in time we kind of left it behind and and you know mm-hmm. you know our knowledge from what we can get you know when when we read the bible it, it as you say it, it became predominant um but there so how did i come it was actually during the year 2000 mm-hmm. um and it was a mix of things um Quite interestingly, part of it was my studies in psychology Mm -hmm. um, because I started learning about mindfulness. And Mm -hmm. and for me, mindfulness was always, you know, this tradition that, you know, was related to, you know, to Eastern religions and not, um, you know, not not akin to Christianity. Um, But then I, I started learning the actual you know, some practices of, of mindfulness, like being present in the moment and, um, you know, um, not not dwelling in what hasn't happened or what has happened, but being present and how it relieves um, your, your anxiety, how it relieves, um, you know, you may be living in a world that is not even where you are. So that just that that sense of rest that you can have in the present moment. And I realized actually how biblical it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how God will say, you know, don't, don't carry your worries of tomorrow today. Yeah. Leave them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a good friend gave me uh, a book by Catherine Thompson, mm-hmm. um, who's a Christian and wrote, um, so she's a, a social worker she's a mental health social worker um and Mm -hmm. she she has a phd in 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 mental health and um she has a book she wrote a book called christian centered mindfulness Mm -hmm. um where she explores um the parallels between mindfulness um or um a type of therapy that is called ACT, that is, you know, that that has like a a mindfulness, fits very well with mindfulness. And she looked at that and compared it with with Christianity and the contemplation, the tradition of, you know, meditating on scripture and, and, and different practices that the church, especially the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, like the monastic practices, Mm-hmm. Um, that have been used and how how they they are very alike. So I started getting more into that. At the same time, I found uh, a podcast by Ruth Barton um, mm-hmm. that talks about spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, you know, getting more into reading about spiritual transformation and Dallas Willard, actually, that you were oh, asking about the other day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so hearing God and it was around that time as well, um, in my Christian journey where I was becoming more sensitive to learning about the voice of God. So it has all kind of come mm-hmm. together. And I started doing yeah. silence and solitude during 2020, and I realized mm-hmm. how it was changing me. It was yeah, absolutely yeah. changing me, and it was I is something that I couldn't explain um, with words, but God yeah. had been doing something. So um, 
yeah, so that's that's how I started Wilma. Um, it, yeah. It's a mixture of things and all, all or- orchestrated by God, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. I love hearing um, the everyday testimonies of, like, what God is doing in people's lives because I think um, sometimes when – whether it's with our friends or whether it's in front of a church pulpit, we get up and we say our testimony of like, oh, this is how I came to Christ. Um, And sometimes we fixate that that's the only type of testimony that there is. But what you've just told me, the beauty of like everyday sanctification of how God has changed you through silence and solitude, those everyday testimonies as well, like, oh my goodness, God is it. God is at work and it it just ah just makes me like happy. Um so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Um what drew you to psychology as like a st- as a field to study? Yes. Um I always wanted to do psychology, but um mm-hmm. so I was born in Costa Rica and I wasn't really supported in my family to pursue psychology. Um, so I actually, I've got a Bachelor of Business um, in of Human Resources. Uh, yes, of course, <laughs> as you do. So I've spent a lot of time at university. With <laughs> um, and, and I did that because I felt um, I, felt I, ha- I had to. It was just family mm-hmm subtle family pressure so I I Mm. never even although that was something that I wanted to do I never thought that I could pursue it then you know I I met my now husband and I ended up moving to Australia I I, and I started university again here as you do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I started a bachelor of arts and you know I, I so like Oh, fantastic. I can choose psychology as one of the disciplines. So I, I, I chose that and I chose, I think it was social, um, sociology, sorry, mm-hmm. and, and communication and media. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I pursued um, psychology. I've, I've always been very curious about people and, mm-hmm. and curious about myself. I think yeah. a lot of psychology students start in psychology because they want to understand themselves more. <laughs> Um, but oh, that's fair. Yes, it was a yeah, yeah. Um, but then psychology is is actually quite. Um, it's not what you expect. Um, like most people will will think about psychology, and well, yeah, one of the first subjects that you're going to do is counselling. I never did counselling in the four mm. years that that I that was like an elective was doing wow. counselling. So you do a lot of a lot of research, a lot of stats, mm. you do perceptual yep. psychology, biological psychology, social psychology, you'll do a lot of, you know, those, they try to make it very science-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, you know, you have to do a fourth year where you can do your, your thesis or specialize a little bit more and then you have to do another two years where you choose your stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get a little bit more of counseling experience then. No, right. Um, but yeah, psychology is much, much more, it's a fascinating field because you can do so many different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I had a friend of mine who 
who did like pr- quite a similar degree to yours of like she did a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and um, I think it was Human Nutrition as well. And she, in second semester, they had to pick up a stats paper and she was just like, why is this here? Like, why is stats here? Like, tell me why. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, but psychology sounds quite complex to me um, because you are fitting both a science and not even like a soft art, but quite like a hard art as well into one subject. So like those two mind frames of thinking are very different. How did you like walk through that? Well, yes. And uh, it's interesting because yes, it is, it is a bit of, um, a bit of an art mm-hmm. as a psychologist, the way that you will deal with the complexities of a human being. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just, just going back a little bit, mm-hmm. by the time you finish your fourth year in psychology, you have two decisions, to pursue research or to pursue more like the clinical one-to-one or to do both. Um and, you know, a lot of people will be like, um, you know, I'm interested in the research and I'm interested more like all that stats, reading papers, um, you know, traveling and doing conferences and being like more intellectual working at research institutes or working as an academic. And then you have, you know, the other stream or people that choose both. So mm-hmm. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, I think that it, it makes you a more um, rounded professional if mm-hmm. you can if you can read the research and understand the research and mm-hmm. be curious about research so that you don't get stuck in a way of doing things, but at the same time being able to relate to people and that human aspect and being holistic. Um, and I think that as a Christian as well, I tend to see, you know, even though I cannot impose my faith on a client, the way that I conduct myself, um, the way that I may pray before I see a client, the way that I may ask God for insight in understanding someone and that just that sensitivity and being mm-hmm. able to um, you know, being a psychologist is like putting a puzzle together. Like someone comes mm-hmm. and they say, this is what I have. And you're trying to, you know, look at their background, look at what they, you know, their systems around them. And um, so it's a bit, it's a bit of both. So how, how do I, I don't know if I've answered your question, Wilma, but yep. it, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it is a bit of an art and it is, a, a, it, and it is also, you have to be very rigorous as well with the, with the methods that you use. Because mm-hmm. these are human beings, so you can't go experimenting with them. No, that's very true. And I think that's, that's why it's so important to, you know, to also do it hand-in-hand hand, understanding research. And that's why the stats are so important. Yeah. So you can actually read the research and understand it and know how they came to their conclusions mm-hmm. so that you can be evidence-based in, in the work that you do. Yeah. No, that's totally true. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that you grew up in Costa Rica, how how is that different from Australia? Apart from like I, Costa Rica, I think sounds more like 
has better weather than Australia. <laughs> oh, it where yeah, where I lived was is beautiful weather. Yeah. Um, so I lived in the in the Central Valley, and mm-hmm. is it the the weather has probably changed since mm-hmm. I, I used to live there twenty years ago. But it was like mid twenties. All year round, wow, and just beautiful. So it is either dry or it rains, and that's what okay. Except tropical, but mm-hmm. you know, being in the equator, the the weather is quite, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, the weather is quite different. Um, in terms of, um, you know, how it is like to live socially, there's more social disparity, more yeah, um, differences between classes. So one thing that I noticed. In coming to Australia when I came when I was 18 was that I felt although there are clear social distinctions and classes in Australia there's more of a it's more like a gray there's more like a merge like you can have yeah you know friends that are in trades friends that work in a supermarket you can have good friends that are academics you can it's like this big uh, merge of classes. That's how I, I, I. That's how it felt coming from Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Classes don't really mix. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for example, you know, my friends will all be from private schools. They will all know two languages or three languages. They will. There's no question that you're going to go to university. Um, like that's not even something that, that you will consider not doing. Yeah. Um, so it is very, very different in that respect. And then, you know, um, people from from a lower social educational, you know, background, they will do the gardening jobs, they will do the supermarket checkout chicks, and they will mm-hmm. – and that – there wouldn't be a mix Mm-hmm. I remember when I first came to Australia to live, um, I was so excited because I got myself a job. And I, I called my mom and I said, oh, I've got a job. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm working in a supermarket. And she was like, mm-hmm. you know, what? like for her, that was like, what? Yeah. What, um, so that's something that I really loved about Australia, that it just mm-hmm. felt more mm-hmm. like you really, I, I know that it's not like that. In reality, but I felt that you had more of an opportunity to to do mm-hmm. certain things if you work really hard. Although mm-hmm. I do know now, and I understand now that you know that you may get into cycles of poverty or or unhelpful social cycles of you know like family violence and trauma mm-hmm. or. For example, you have, you know, like different social groups like the, you know, the indigenous Australians as well that, you know, live in a, in, 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 in a cycle where they have less opportunities and mm-hmm. because of their history and because of, you know, intergenerational trauma and, mm-hmm. and all that. I understand that now, but, um, but there's still, yeah, a big distinction. Mm-hmm. And, and there's more crime, like being a development country as well. There's more organized crime and, mm. you know, um, we have bars on our windows and yeah. we have to be careful at night. And so it's a very different lifestyle. But it's, Costa Rica is beautiful. It's one of the 
is is um you know like one of those tourist countries um yeah. that you must see we have a very big you know ecological um diversity and, and policies and things so yeah it makes it very attractive i think for tourism yeah that's beautiful what do you miss the most um about costa rica if or if you do miss costa rica yeah 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 i do can i say food <laughs> yes yes you can definitely can say, say food, food? <laughs> um yeah food and and um obviously my family i yeah. think um yeah spanish the the language um mm-hmm. and i suppose being able to expose my children to 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 the culture that's probably mm-hmm. part of what i miss of what i i feel like we're missing now in not being mm-hmm. not being there but then at the same time if we were there then we will miss the same about Australia. I've been here for half of my life now, Wilma. Yeah. So, yes, I moved to Australia when I was in my early 20s. Wow. So, so yeah. Old. <laughs> <laughs> getting wisdom is what I call it, not getting old. Um, so your kids would definitely be like third culture kids then um, in terms of like you brought – and you would also classify as a third culture kid now too, actually, um, of like th- your kids having two distinct cultures in the home that they're exposed to. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. How, how have you and your husband like integrated the best parts of like coming from Costa Rica and coming from Australia in your household? Um. I don't know that is something that you do consciously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I suppose one of the things that I always tried was to teach my kids Spanish, and my husband knows Spanish as well because um, he went to Costa Rica as an exchange student for a year. I didn't mm-hmm. meet him then, um, mm-hmm. but it means that he knows the culture, he knows the food, um, so he's not totally foreign to him, he knows, you know, Costa Ricans and our sense of humor and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I wasn't successful in passing down my language to my kids, unfortunately. I tried mm-hmm. with Noah and then um, he started loosening, uh, loosening it around three and I thought it was because of kinder and daycare. Um, but then I th- I tried with my second, who was at home. She didn't go to daycare. Um, But then it came a time where I was just talking in Spanish and then all of a sudden I started reverting to English. So that didn't work either. Mm -hmm. So come child number three and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be successful with this one. Yeah. And actually my third child was the one that spoke the longest. So she was five or six Mm -hmm. when she lost it. Um, Mm -hmm. So... We went to a caravan trip and we were all together, so I started reverting back mm-hmm. to speaking in, in Spanish. And then with my fourth one, I just gave up. <laughs> I just gave up altogether. Um, yeah, so that's 
But it's not something that you do consciously. I'm sure that they have things, you know, how hard is it to just take part of who you have been for, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 years of your life, like, you know, Mm -hmm. even my accent and and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I had more. Yeah, that I have been more more conscious about, you know, the Spanish aspect of it. Because there are things that in the language that you transmit that can cannot be let me start again. There are things in a language that you cannot translate to another language that mm-hmm. are very cultural. Yeah. Words that don't exist in, mm-hmm. in another language. So there's yeah. so there's a lot that you transmit. It's not only the language, but it's, it's the culture that you impart yeah. with the language. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's totally that true. Right. Yeah. They're that's... very curious about it now, which is good. Yeah. Curiosity always is always a good sign. Um, how did, because, like, I'm, I'm now in that mind frame of being curious about, like, um, how other Christian women have built their homes and um, how they've built their marriages as well. So my question to you is how did, um, I guess, how did motherhood change? Or actually, let me rephrase that. Did motherhood change the way you viewed God? The way that I viewed God? Yeah. Um. I became a Christian when I was a mother already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose very early on as a mother, like now I was a year and a half mm-hmm. when I became a Christian. So I don't I don't know motherhood without um Christianity. I don't I don't know God without being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm so Grateful, actually, Wilma, because mm-hmm. um, you know, with no, when Noah was eighteen months and I became a Christian, I was discovering the Bible. And as as I read to him, one of the first things that I did when I became a Christian was to buy a kids' Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just beautiful to be able to learn about those stories with my son, mm-hmm. um, and. And I think also I have it has become such a big part of of me being a mum. Mm-hmm. Like from very very early on, something that has been important to me is to share with them what I'm learning about God and to just really leave that um, show them the relationship that I have with Him and model that mm-hmm. to them. It's a big part of our lives and they don't they don't know life without without that like one of the first words that Noah said and my daughter said was um Jesus when I was little it was Jesus because that's Mm -hmm. in Spanish Jesus that was one of Mm -hmm. his first words Mm -hmm. um so it um I've heard from from Christian friends that sometimes when people become Christians as adults that you know, there's a big turnaround in who you are and you become so 
um, passionate about it. I'm glad that that passion came at the same time that I had kids mm-hmm. and that I have been bringing my family because it means it has become a big part of their life as yeah. well. That excitement. It hasn't been just tradition. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it has been something that I have discovered and I have been able to, by his grace, give to my kids as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's so beautiful. That's so cool. And how did, and so you said that you became a Christian when Noah was 18 months. How did then knowing God change, uh, I mean, influence the way that you um, acted towards your husband? Oh, <laughs> um, I think that I've been able to be more more uh, patient and forgiving, but you know mm-hmm. it is it is a journey for yeah. everyone. And my husband mm-hmm. is the closest person that I have, mm-hmm. um, obviously. And the closer you are to someone, the hardest the harder it is. Um, and I don't do it perfectly, but I suppose. You know, I I always, I I try to show him the same grace that God shows me. Mm -hmm. And God is very good at pointing things in me towards my husband that are probably not right, whereas Mm -hmm. no one else will be able to point that out. But if you really open yourself up to God, Mm -hmm. um he's 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 the one that is that is going to point to those things but also commitment yeah um just to give you an example like i shared before that i started i became a christian at the same time that i started my phd mm-hmm. actually i started my phd and like was like three or four months after i became a christian um phds destroy marriages <laughs> they they do it's, wow. it's very common that, you know, people will do a PhD soon after they finish that they will say it is very tough. Um, yeah. And I think that it, it not only sustained me, but it sustained my marriage. Wow. And my co- me, commitment to my husband. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but just God's protection and faithfulness mm-hmm. over my marriage. Wow. Um, so even though, like, even um, when when we met, neither of us were Christians, obviously, and, and my mm-hmm. husband, it took him a good 10 years before he gave his life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so for about 10 years, I journeyed with a non-Christian husband. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was um, you know, and, and in that, you know, God will say, you know, it is important for me that the promises that you have made to your husband, that you keep them and that you mm-hmm. live faithfully towards me and I'll look after the rest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I think like with everything, Wilma, like in, 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 in your Christian journey, in our Christian journeys, it is just trying to walk faithfully with God and, and you can, the more, the closer you are to God, the better mm-hmm. you are at loving other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, like, thank you so much for sharing that. I really, yeah, I really appreciate people who've been working, 
who've been walking with God for a long time and still have that passion and still have that depth of testimony of his faithfulness and his goodness. And it's like, oh my goodness, he actually is trustworthy. Like you know it, obviously, from mm-hmm. scripture that is trustworthy, but when you see it in somebody else's life, you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, so hearing you talk mm-hmm. about your journey is like, ah, oh, it's amazing. I I'm delighted. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, God is God is so good, Wilma. Uh, um, God is is. Um, I was telling a friend the other day that isn't it good that even when we're not faithful, God is still faithful. Like we can still. Uh, one thing that I, I constantly hold on to in in my, you know, in 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 my Christian journey and and you know in trying to live this life is God's faithfulness. And yeah. His grace, um, because I'm gonna keep messing up, but just knowing that He doesn't expect perfection from me, mm-hmm. um, just knowing that He will still, um, you know, what He wants is my heart. What yeah. He wants is 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 relationship, and within mm-hmm. that, He guides us even when we make mistakes, mm-hmm. um, and He still makes things work. You know. Because he is faithful even when we are not. Yeah. So, you know, like even like committing our parenting to him or or a marriage, mm-hmm. even like in the hardest moments, you know, mm-hmm. I think that the what you can commit to is, 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 you know, just keeping those promises and knowing that God will take you through. Yeah. You know, because he can do it. He can do yeah. what we cannot do. So, Amen. It is a huge totally. relief of of, of my my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so wonderful. That's so beautiful to hear. Um, I just want to go back to your psychology um, work vocation. Do you have like a special like a subspecialty that you specialize in, like kids, young adults? Um, adults or is it just like spread out um so so I recently completed completed a master's um Mm -hmm. and it's in the area of developmental and educational psychology Mm -hmm. um and we are a little bit different to to the clinical psychology not not in that that's a terrible name clinical psychology because all psychologists do clinical work Mm -hmm. um so it's not a specialty, but the, I think that, that the difference is that um, we look at the human being across development and throughout development. So we can see kids, we can see adolescents, we can, mm-hmm. you know, some developmental psychs will work with the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about understanding your function as a as a human and your mm-hmm. whatever difficulties you have across a spectrum. Yeah. Um but like my area where, where I work at the moment is I, I work with you know either kids or adolescents or adults that come that have a learning that but for some reason are not learning as they should. Um, and so they come and they say, you know, like a parent may say, you know, my child is having difficulties at, at school and this is how they're behaving and they're struggling to learn, to read, to, to write, whatever. So 
we try to collect a lot of information. So we collect information about their cognition, how well, so what traditionally is called like IQ testing. Um, so we do um, that and we look at their academics and we look at their environment, like the, the systems that they live around, whether there's been trauma, um, we look at their mental health, you know, whether there's depression or anxiety or something else going on, or whether there is a neurodevelopmental condition, um, you know, ADHD or um, something else, um, mm-hmm. ASD, um, and or we look to see whether they have dyslexia or dyscalculia. Mm-hmm. So it is we get someone with an issue and then it's like a Pandora box that you open and you start exploring and you can find quite interesting things like a kid may present or an adolescent or an adult may present exactly the same way, but the reason why they're having those difficulties can be totally different. Yeah. Um, like just to give you an example, um, we had to um, assess a kid last year that got taken out of school because mm-hmm. the teacher's, thought that he, he was intellectually delayed. Mm. Um, and in our investigations and our assessments, we actually found out what, that what he had was a background of trauma. Mm. And he was actually brilliant. He mm. was brilliant. He was, you know, his cognitive abilities were over the top. Yeah. So he should really have been excelling, but it was the trauma that was, making him present as delayed. Oh, no. And with that, his social-emotional development, his anxiety was, and and, yeah. and all those things. So we try to unpack um, and and see why someone is not, not thriving. Sometimes we get adults that will say, I think I've got ADHD. Mm. Um, and so we can do assessments with that or... Um, you know, or sometimes things may divert a little bit more and we may find out that, you know, that the kid has depression. So we work with mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. basically the area where I'm now. People come from a reason and they may end up with a different a reason. whole lot about, about themselves. Yeah. 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 That is such a broad view um, of psychology. Like, that. I find that it's very is it very is it rewarding because it sounds very re- rewarding of like absolutely yeah yeah it is it is very rewarding i think when someone when someone comes and they say um i had a family the other day mm. um and during the intake interview um they were saying i've gone to the pediatrician and they've brushed us off um mm. i've I've talked to the school and they brushed us off. And, you know, we've been trying to get assessment after assessment. We've been to speech pathologists. We've done all this. Mm. And to be able to to say to them, you know, there's so much that we can explore to get answers Mm. um, because it is quite a comprehensive assessment that we do. And Mm. Most of the time, sometimes we end up with more questions, but at least we can direct the family and say, we've ruled all of these things out, explore this area with, with another specialist. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you can explore this area with us a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or sometimes you get families that they don't know even where to start and, and you may be able to say to them, forget about the academics for a season. We really need to work with the social emotional health of this child first. Then mm. we can look at the academics. So it can be quite rewarding to provide direction to families that are quite lost and 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 this mm. kind of their you know like one of their last resorts. Um yeah so it yeah. is it is very rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Um it also sounds like very like emotionally taxing as well because that's a you carrying humanity and their stories and their scars. How do you switch off when you get home and how or like how do you not carry that home? I think my faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think my faith uh, and just knowing that um you know I I you know I'm not the savior of people I can try to you know do the best job that I can within my profession to try to help them mm-hmm. um and and do the best that I can and and have safeguards to um to uh, to protect them like sometimes we you may get people that came for a reason and then you end up finding out that they're actually suicidal mm. and so you have to implement a whole lot of safeguards for the person yeah. to stay safe and you know you may bring it home like did I do everything that I had to do have I mm-hmm. you know have I written you know um uh you know the the right letter to the GP have I directly you know it, mm-hmm. it can weigh you down yeah um but I think definitely just trying to do the best that I can do mm. when I work when I'm working mm-hmm. and then outside of that just knowing that you know that that I'm a, I'm a mother and that I need to give that emotional you know I need to be emotional available for my children for my husband mm-hmm. and 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 just you know giving it to God doing the best that yeah. I can and then just kind of closing it yeah um yeah that's yeah that's very beautiful thank you for sharing that um when you first became a christian were there parts of the bible as you were discovering that you felt like a resistance to that that you now are like wow i no longer have that resistance Mm. it is healthy to always have a resistance isn't it Mm mm-hmm keeps us humble and keeps us learning. So mm-hmm. I hope I never lose that resistance because it helps me keep seeking God mm-hmm. um, and not put him in a little box. Yeah. Because he's constantly surprising us. I think Without that it. one thing that I struggled with mm-hmm. when I first became a Christian was, um, you know, you know, people that, you know, are inclined to feel, you know, attracted to, to you know, to the same sex. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, it, you know, love is love and, you know, it seems unfair to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I said to God, I need, I need you to give me wisdom mm-hmm. um, in regards to how to navigate navigate that you know yeah. faithfully to you and mm-hmm. also 
you know, loving people. So it's mm-hmm. just that tension. Mm-hmm. And there's always that tension. And you can yeah. just try to, you know, there's certain things that you have to commit yourself and say, you know, this is what I believe. And there's mm-hmm. things that are not, you know, that you don't compromise Yeah. Um, in your faith. And then there's other things where there's always going to be a, a, a tension. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we within... Within that subject, like I have my my beliefs mm-hmm. about it, um, but understanding understanding how my mentality was different before I became a Christian yeah. gives me more compassion, gives me more patience, mm-hmm. um, and. And at the end of the day, what what I've realized is, you know, everyone, you know, Lord, I can try to live faithfully. And when you ask me to speak boldly about your truth, I will do it. And I will do it with love. As you Mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to forget about that. And I'm going to speak boldly. Um, But I know that at the end of the day, it is the Holy Spirit that Mm -hmm. will show and convert a person. And it is a relationship with you that is going to tell them how to walk. Yeah. I'm not anyone's Holy Spirit and I'm not. So that's, it's about, you know, having been humble. Still, I have my convictions. I mm-hmm. still, I still um, can tell you what I believe about mm-hmm. it. And, um, and, you know, some people may say to me, you know, like colleagues, may say mm-hmm. to me, oh, you know, that's extreme and, you know, call me names and things like that. It has never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, my Christians, brothers and sisters may say to me, you're being too soft. So mm-hmm. either either way, yeah. I think I, I don't fit, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't, I don't fit either extreme. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I don't have my specific beliefs about the way that God has designed us, about the way that we flourish as humans, about the way that, you know, there's that complementarity that we have seen since Genesis, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, day and night and, and, Mm And, you know, the, you know, there was the, the land and then there was water and there's that complementarity yeah. that culminates mm. in men and women mm-hmm. um, and is part of God's good creation. creation. Yeah. yeah. Nah, totally, I get that. What's your favorite book in the Bible or do you have a favorite book in the Bible? I guess this is a better question. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite book of the Bible, mm. but I love, I keep going back to Romans 8. Yeah. It has been my go-to, my lifeline for a mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, and why Romans 8? Wow, Romans 8 is packed, packed with meat, but I think, in you know this season that I've been living, it has it has it has pointed me to living to knowing that I can live a, a life, you know, in the spirit, knowing that I still have the tension of my flesh, and knowing that God is going to use 
all of that, knowing that this is not my home and that sometimes um, pain or yearning mm-hmm. can be can be a, a reminder that you know that there is more mm-hmm. and that you know and that God is taking us somewhere where where all of those desires, all of those things are going to be fulfilled. Yeah. So I think that um, Romans 8 helps me persevere through difficulties. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much in there. Like there's, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I just keep going back to it again and again and again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's so beautiful. Um, We've come to the part where you, get to ask me a question or a couple of questions. Um, so the floor is yours. Good. You look a bit tired, Wilma, so I hope that you your your um, cognitive um, abilities are, are able yeah. to wrestle. Yeah, like no. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a challenging question. I'm curious to know what has been – the biggest challenge for you in starting this podcast mm. and and the greatest reward as well. So the greatest challenge and the greatest reward. Um, I think the greatest challenge was believing that I have something of worth to say or something of worth to bring to the table, to the mic, Um, and slowly realizing that um, the giftings that God has given me, because being able to interview people and being able to, like, talk to people and hold that space of, like, hey, your story is seen, known, and held in this moment is a gift. Um, like growing that confidence is now leading me to be like, oh, maybe I can actually do something quote unquote more with this podcast. Um, Cause when it started, I, I was just like, oh no, like it's just going to stay small because you know, I, I, I'm small. Like I was very like shrunk, but now I'm like, actually I can, like I can do this, like that confidence has been put in me, um, not in an arrogant way of like, God, I can do this without you, but in a way of like there's an invitation of like, Wilma, you can actually step into more. Mm-hmm. And then sitting down and being like, okay, what does that more actually look like? And I think um, the most rewarding thing has honestly just been talking to people. Like I really enjoy hearing people's stories from like non-Christian to Christian and seeing the wonder and um, beauty of God through that. Cause I think we, we as a society now, we're now 21st century postmodernistic era. Um, we have slowly forgotten the beauty of sitting across a campfire with someone um, and looking at somebody who might like think completely different to you, like polar opposite and being able to see them as a human being and have like a conversation with them that doesn't devolve into ad hominem attacks. Um, Mm -hmm. So being able to do that with people and see 
and allow people to see that as humanity, we have more things that actually bring us together than they tear us apart. Um, and the biggest thing that brings us together is whether or not people acknowledge or don't acknowledge it is the fact that humans have eternity in their hearts um, and God has put that there and he longs to dwell with humanity. Um, and humanity has been trying to, like, run away from God ever since. Um, but that beauty of that gospel story that has been true since Genesis 1 is something that I'm like, I want people to remember that through these conversations that like the same way God, the same way like you and I sit and talk to one another, that's how God sits, wants to sit and sits with us in those moments. Mm. But yeah, that's. Beautiful. That's well, yeah. Beautiful. That's very Thank good, you. Wilma. And I um, I can't see that God is going to continue just using you within that creative mm. space. Um, and what a, what a skill to have to be able to sit <laughs> with you. different people and, and, and have a good conversation that is going to be aired and, and shared. So yeah. Well done. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for agreeing to be a guest. It was an awesome time. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. That is okay. Okay. <laughs>